You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of News Talk 770. Welcome to the April 29th edition of The Strong Room. Presented by Macmillan Estate Planning. One of the main goals of the Strong Room Radio program is to provide valuable information for families and business owners. And as is often the case, we learn best from real life stories. A quote from Steve Jobs sets the tone for today's story. He said, I believe that about half of what separates successful entrepreneurs from the non successful ones is pure perseverance. The story of acclaimed jewelry designer and fashion curator Kate Hugo is a profile in perseverance. In her interview with Sherry McMillan, the founder and CEO of McMillan Estate Planning, Kate talked candidly about the ups and the downs of her career path. Her keen eye for business was already evident at an early age. So I think it was grade three. You know, those blades of grass that you put between your fingers and you blow through them. I would, I had a little group of kids that I hired on recess time to pick the best blades of grass. And then we would sell them in bunches to the other kids for 10 cents. I eventually ended up getting caught and the teacher made me give all the money back. So that was me as an entrepreneur in grade three. So it started early on. So your entrepreneurial spirit has always been with you. Yeah. So Kate, being that you're in the fashion industry, it's a tough go, I imagine. Lots of competition. Mm -hmm. Can we learn about your early career and how you came about being the curator you are today? I went to business school. I went to Western. I started off in business, but ended up just with an economics degree. I had way too much fun at Western, so the finance thing didn't end up happening. That's okay, though. Things still push through. And I ended up going to fashion school in Toronto. I took marketing and merchandising, not design, because really my intention was to be a buyer. I love sourcing new product and finding new cool emerging designers. Anyways, when I graduated from fashion marketing and merchandising in Toronto, I was scouted by a bar that was trying to attract a new demographic. They wanted, you know, the young, hip, fashionable demographic, and they hired me to do weekly fashion shows. I would source new cool emerging designers in Toronto and I would give them an opportunity to showcase their product at the bar. That was very short-lived because the bar ran out of money very quickly. I mean, these ideas are great and exciting, but not always the most lucrative or successful ventures. Then I ended up deciding I wanted to come a little bit closer to home. So that's where I ended up moving to Vancouver and starting off as a buyer there. I'm originally from Edmonton, so I didn't want to move back to Edmonton. But I thought Vancouver would be, you know, a quick one-hour plane ride to see my family. And how did it go for you in Vancouver? Um, Well, I got a job at a little boutique. It wasn't anything glamorous. I did get to fly to L.A. to source product, but I wasn't at the really awesome trade shows in L.A. I was at the markets where you, you know, it's like 40 degrees outside. You bring a suitcase with you and you source products from vendors that sell prepacks like... $5 t-shirts that you're hoping to sell for $60. I wasn't meeting with designers. I was dealing with manufacturers from China who have like their own little wholesale shops and they're all kind of in one little section. 
So it wasn't it wasn't glamorous. It sounds glamorous saying I flew to LA to be a buyer, but it was all about the margins. With your entrepreneurial spirit from your young childhood, mm-hmm. was that a struggle for you to be working with others? I wouldn't say that I was a stand-up employee. So yeah, probably. I never really thought about it though. I think the problem is, is when you're an entrepreneur, when you're working for others, you can't really get into the spirit of the company because it's not your company. So I just don't have that excitement for it. You know, you could be doing something that's more true to yourself. So when did it evolve into your own business? I ended up moving to Calgary, not for work reasons, for romantic reasons. And I took a job in the marketing department. And that was kind of like my first real corporate job in the retail industry. And I got to see how that worked. And really quickly, I knew this was not what I wanted. I didn't want to sit at a cubicle and just participate in one little section of the company, especially also when we're dealing with clothing that isn't high fashion. I've been trained in all sorts of areas of this business, but it wasn't something I was passionate about. So I think I was maybe 24. I quit my job and started sourcing space in Calgary, flew down to Vegas where they have like the great trade shows with all the emerging designers and started sourcing cool designers. And I opened up a little shop in Kensington. So that was really fun, but very difficult. It's a lot when you're 24 years old to take on an entire business and every aspect like marketing, sourcing, bookkeeping, everything. Everything's included. Payroll, you like it's just such a huge learning curve. I think I was probably a little too young, but my dad likes to say that it was a really expensive MBA. (laughs) (laughs) So um, I actually was doing pretty well. I'd say the margins were really bad, but I was able to push through until 2008 when oil prices tanked. And I was definitely a destination store. I was carrying new emerging designers that have no marketing behind their names. They're not mass producing. So the products are not cheap. And there's also a middleman because I'm going from between a manufacturer designer to myself, having to put marketing money behind them because they're not like... Burberry, who has millions and millions going into marketing for them. So pretty much I'm taking on that cost. And it just got too much when people weren't coming anymore because times were tough. I just wasn't able to push through that part of it. So what did you learn from that experience, Kate? You know, like closing down, it was so overwhelming that I'm not sure I knew exactly what lesson to draw from that. It wasn't until I got back in the industry And I figured out what my mistake was and kind of how to fix it. And that's kind of where I'm at now. Kate, can I ask you from that experience, what would you share with other entrepreneurs about that learning experience? What did you learn in hindsight? I took a few years off. I had two babies and I talked to my husband about it and said, I want to get back into the industry. And what I knew right away was that Spending the money, actually, my husband also was like, you know what? We're going to start with $5,000. Do you want to spend that $5,000 to go to New York to source product? Or do you want to source it from home on your computer and buy the product with the $5,000? And I just thought about that. And I'm like, yeah, like, why would I go back and do that same routine where I'm putting so much money into something where there is different ways of doing it for cheaper. It's not as glamorous. You don't get to go to the cool trade shows. But that was lesson number one, to really cut down on expenses that aren't necessary. Because now that we have the internet, 
you can meet with anybody, even face-to-face on Skype. Like you don't need to be there. You can source all your product from home. I, I started with the online. I thought, okay, I'm going to keep with the emerging designers, source the emerging designers from home, which saved me money. But still, I brought in a few different emerging designers, tried to sell online, and the margins still weren't there. I'm still having to put marketing behind these designers who are not well-known. So I thought, I can do this. I'm looking for specific things, and I think I can just make them myself. And so I uh, got on LinkedIn, and I put in an ad in you know one of those groups, like jewelry designing groups, and I was inundated with manufacturers contacting me. And so I just put together a little collection of ideas and sent it over, and that's kind of where that started. My margins are so much better. I'm marketing my own product, and I just have way more connection to it. And so through that process of getting back into retail, I realized that a mistake that I was still making again was trying to carry emerging designers that had low margins. Now that you're a designer yourself, what passions and experience do you think will carry you forward with the perseverance you've obviously shown all these years, Kate? I think for me, it's not about just the design. The design was what got me into doing my own label, but I've now branched out and I'm doing a side label, which is my curated label. It's called Novelty Curated by Kate Huco. And I'm having so much fun with it because it pretty much is a buying job again. I never meant to sit down and draft things and have them produced. It just kind of came to that. But through that, I've created my own label and people trust what I'm doing. And so now sourcing really cool product from manufacturers that I can put my own name on. I like to differentiate between the two because I want people to know the difference between something that I actually drafted and produced on my own and something that I found. So I have two aspects of my company, the private label and the Kate Huco. And I'm having so much fun with private label. I'm I'm looking at footwear right now. Like this is stuff I couldn't do if I was designing. I don't want to have to learn how to create a new project. I have already branched out from jewelry into faux furs and learned that sizing was really complicated. (laughs) Had to have them all remade more than once. Uh, So that's why the sourcing and curating is so much fun for me. With being a mother and a businesswoman, what are some of the challenges you face, Kate, with your time? Exhaustion, barf in my hair, (laughs) (laughs) in while we speak right now, (laughs) finding the time to do everything. I mean, I have a four-month-old, a three-year-old, a six-year-old. I'm in all, still in all the stages of like kids who need everything from me. So when I get home from work, I'm on again with my other full-time job. So I'm just finding balance really difficult. But at the same time, I have way more energy than I did when I was staying at home because I'm more excited about my life. Do you find your industry is receptive to business women or do you think that the men have a cutting edge? I think that women really dominate this industry right now. I mean, I'm trying to think of just you know, our local market. And if we're looking at boutiques and people in our industry, definitely women are dominating the market right now. I mean, if you look at the history of fashion, definitely uh, there's a lot more men who are well-known for leading the industry and being the most cutting edge, but I think things are changing for sure. When we come back after this short break... The Kate Huco story continues on The Strong Room. 